stage. We are clear. Stand by. Stage reset and house lights. Thanks, team, for another great show. I'll see you all backstage. This is Designed to Change Backstage Conversations. All right, Kristen, welcome backstage. How do you feel right now? I feel like I was just talking to you a minute ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's only a short walk of fame from the onstage to the offstage, right? And, you know, being in the back office, we don't have any guided questions, you know, but it's just time for good conversation. So um, I, um, I, Jackie, I agree. Anthony, you're quite a voiceover artist (laughs) and uh, he's actually here live to do you know, to pretend to do it in a TikTok version. Yeah. Um, but how do you feel after this conversation? I, I, it was interesting in terms of, I didn't know the questions ahead of time. And I felt very thankful that I had th- these opportunities and examples in, in my mind to be able to answer the questions. I know that maybe some people wouldn't have and trying to empathize with them, that that's not the... <laughs> the point of this activity of just reflecting reflecting on those those yeah. questions and, and I think there's, there's, being yeah. being willing to enter into questions as well and, and and being uncomfortable and sort of having to take a second and pause and think about things we we seem to have this attitude that we, when it comes to questions we must have the perfect answer immediately instead of being okay with not knowing together and together exploring through further questioning. Just like you said, Kristen, you, you bring questions to the table all the time, yet we have, have this fear that we're going to get asked questions and they uncover the possibilities and the opportunities. Well, and I think that's also a culture that I really strive to set my classroom is I, I remember very distinctly, it was two years ago, I was in the middle of a class activity that I had spent so much time setting up And we were in the middle of doing it and it just all went horribly, horribly wrong. And it was like the second or third week of class. And I just stopped the activity and I said, okay, let's debrief. Like I'm, I'm not here. I'm not a performer on a stage. We're co-creating this class and this experience together. We all have an equal share to, uh, and voice to speak into this activity. I don't have all the answers. It's okay to fail. And actually, a lot of the feedback from that class, from my teaching evaluations and discussions throughout the semester was because I had failed in that activity, students felt comfortable to fail and to be more vulnerable. And so though I don't intentionally structure my class to fail, (laughs) it was very obvious that that was just an open experience. But how I responded to that failure made everyone feel comfortable. Very true. And Janet is adding here that... Um, you know, or Diana saying that the obstacle initially it might be, you know, initially with students, right? Um, or that 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 is in initially an obstacle with the students. But and then Janet is saying often the question is more important than um, is more important than the answer as we grow in the direction of the questions that we ask. Um, on that note, I'd like to also invite any of the participants that'd like to join us and answer, you know, uh, ask some questions or join in the conversation. Uh, to to join us here uh, in the backstage, right? It's a very informal area. The doors are open, so feel free to uh, to jump in and um, join the conversation. Uh, Kristen, I do have a, a favor to ask, right? Which is what we always ask off stage: is um, 
we're going to send those same questions to you as a link, as we've just done to all the other participants. And we're going to ask you within one week, this is homework, right? Within one week to actually fill out the written version of your answers to those same questions. And you can't cheat by listening to the podcast, <laughs> right? But maybe in writing versus in audio, you process the information differently and you could give a succinct answer, which we can then add to the podcast, which we ask all of our guests to do within five working days. But, you know, we know that uh, one week is more of like the timeline within universities. So um, would you be willing to do that? Yes. And I think it's really funny that you even know that universities have our own time scale. <laughs> <laughs> we found I mean, out, I, you know, we, I mean, you, you, you told us that professor make the worst students, right? Uh, yes. You know, when submitting on a deadline, you can be critical to the students, but the professors are always the ones that, who are lagging, right? I know you're not talking about me turning in my canvas on time because, <laughs> or asking oh. for, asking oh, for extensions. <laughs> <laughs> it's the forgiveness ahead of time, right? Um, I did, can I can I respond to to Janet's comment? Because I I love that, and I love Janet um, so much. So Janet was talking about the questions more important than the answer, and so I frequently tell my students at the beginning of the semester, I say anybody can Google anything. So why are you paying sixty thousand dollars? for a degree in this area. And I specifically emphasize that part of, of what our curriculum is, is helping students learn what questions to ask or the right questions to ask, because that's a mindset. And so teaching that mindset and teaching that process, anybody can go out and Google anything. But if you don't know the question to ask, or if this organization even exists, or this sector of the industry even exists, you're never going to ask it. So that's a that's a huge part of it. So I love what Janet what Janet said there. If you're enjoying this conversation, check out the book and full multimedia experience by purchasing your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Visit designtochange.online to order your copy and start interacting with more thought-provoking content like this. Do you have any examples of, of like a, a recent experience that stuck to your head that would be uh, good to share? So one thing that I love to do in my classes, especially when I'm, I'm re-envisioning them, is I like to invite the students to co-create the classes with me. And what I'll do is I will, whether it's online or in person, I'll invite students in small groups to meet with me once a week mm -hmm. and to, to prepare for a class the next week, which also engages them in that content. So I'll meet with a group of two to three students this week to talk about class next Wednesday. And I will lay out the objectives and nothing else. I'll say, these are the learning objectives for the day. And then they help me to create that experience, which has led to absolutely incredible classes I would have never thought to do before. And to, to include TikTok, I'm on TikTok now. The students forced me. And I we did like a Snapchat class channel, which actually extended beyond just that one class. And it was a great way to engage with everybody in the class. We've had just incredible activities that I would have never thought about. And the students have some ownership of that because they get to help lead that. So it's the easiest 
hour and a half to two hours of my week because it actually takes workload off me, helps to increase creativity, allows students to be engaged, and it's just a fantastic experience. So, so you're about to get a new follower on TikTok. Not that I TikTok either, but, that, but I, it's interesting that TikTok, we all see it as that you know dance craze thing and the music side of it, but I'm seeing more and more people using it for content delivery and for mm-hmm. expanding networks. And really, it's about looking at the different ecosystems that these students are living in and then coming at them from multiple directions and multiple angles. I'm curious with everybody else in the audience as well who's, who's hanging out with us backstage, um, have they explored these kind of omni-channel experiences and uh, podcasts versus in-person versus webinars. Uh, When we put together this book, one of the things that we actually explored very heavily is how can we make it more than written text? How can we give multi-sensory opportunities? So we added in an audio book, we added in augmented reality so that they can interact with it with their devices. Uh, Have you explored other alternatives and are there any roadblocks within academic institutions to unlock some of these platforms? I'm going to answer this with a short example yeah. and I'm going to really encourage people and I'm, I know who's on this call. So I'm looking, <laughs> I'm yeah. looking at you guys to, uh, to step up and join the conversation with me. One thing that I have been quite passionate about is allowing students to interact with the content in the modality that they feel comfortable with. And one way that I've uh, really encouraged that is I've created the short video clippets of the the key objectives. So if I have three to five objectives for the day, I'll create a five minute, you know, three to seven minute video. And when you record that on Zoom, it actually downloads a sound file as well. And then we Mm. upload our stuff to VidGrid, which you can get a text output. And I put all three options in in my Canvas, or some might use Blackboard or their learning management system. And so students have the opportunity to watch the video, to listen to the podcast, which is literally, I just uploaded the sound file that's already there, or to read the text. And the statistics have actually been really interesting on that because about 60% of students watch the video. About 30 to 35% of students actually listen to the sound, listen to the podcast, and five to ten percent, depending on the lecture, will read the will read the text. And so it's really been enlightening for me as a teacher to see how students are interacting with the content. I, I, I out of those, yeah. because these are percentages, are, do you also see people who completely do not engage with the content, or is it so mandatory that they have to engage with the content? It's interesting because I don't have attendance in my class. But I still have over 97% of students that attend week in and week out, very few fail rates. But I think that's how I've structured it with the grading. I use specifications grading, which is non-traditional for most classrooms. And then I, because the classes and activities are so engaging and the way that I've structured the experience, I mean, a lot of students want to be there. And that's the thing is, even if we're synchronous online, I don't require your video to be on, but over 80 to 85% of students will always have their video on because we're always doing activities. We always switch it up every three to five minutes. And so I don't know that I'm the perfect example for that. <laughs> but, no, but I think it's important, right? Because like you say, if it's not a mandatory class, but people really show up or or they want to consume the content if, even asynchronously in their preferred thing. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised 60, 60% video is fairly yeah. high. Uh, I don't know if it's you know from one class or if you have more data around it. That would be super cool to understand that better. 
um, and 35% audio. It could also depend on their preference or timing when they consume it, right? Well, I think that also has a lot to do with personality mm -hmm. because as you know, when you're on a video, you have to be super amplified for that Mm. to translate even two or Mm. three levels down, having the right structure, having the right length because they're all three to seven minutes, keeping it engaging. uh, I think all of those play a part. Absolutely. And there was a question coming in, realizing we're almost out of time, right? So when the buzzer goes, Anthony's going to play a little, uh, or he's going to do a little uh, performance act uh, uh, TikTok thing. But Janet was asking, when do you see tipping points of creativity in the opening discussion of designing differently? We're just going to give this two more minutes of of buffer time. When do you see tipping points of creativity in the opening discussions of designing differently? So I start my class by asking everyone to raise their hand to, uh, and I ask the question, do you think you're creative? I stole this from Rude a couple of years ago in his College of Extraordinary Experience <laughs> lecture. I say, how many of you think you're creative and everyone doesn't raise their hand? Maybe I'll have one or two if I have some theater students in there. And, and then I'll lead them through this act- activity to show them that everybody's creative, but actually the, the best way to show your creativity is when you have some parameters around it and it just changes your thinking that one to two degrees and then i actually do many creativity activities at the beginning of all my classes that are three minutes which takes the concept of the day and applies it to their life before i jump into the content as it applies to events and then by the end of the the semester i'll ask the same question i'll say how many of you all believe that you're creative and everyone will raise their hand. And I know I have 30 seconds. So in advanced events, when I ask everyone the same question, I'll say, how many of you all believe that you're creative? Every single person that had me for intro to events will raise their hand. And every single person who did not have me for intro to events does not raise their hand. And I think that's fascinating. And I'm going to write a case study on it. <laughs> then, Thank then you for that proven... great question. <laughs> you've proven that you've changed behavior, right? I think that's that's so important. And uh, just to maybe close it off whilst um, um, while Anthony is, is warming up for his TikTok, um, this is a visual from, from the new book, which is that very thing, right? If you, if you change your perspective on where you are on the ladder of looking at the problem, um, one of the key things that you have to try and observe in that behavior change is exactly that, right? So let's pretend this is your class, right, that you just had. If you are able to decode where it is that you as an event owner want to bring these students you know four years down the line or whatever it is that they're having in that program how do you decode the behaviors that they have in your class in the next class and in the class after that and what's the behavior change in between the classes and so one of the things that we encourage people to do is to go up the staircase and to you know articulate the change from entry to exit to add a lot of design restrictions which rocket fuel the the creativity and then actually what you, what, what you come out with on, on this end is that hourglass in the middle, right? The hourglass in the middle is the time they spend with you um, in the experience journey and instructional design of your class, what happens inside the tent and inside that tent and inside that tent. But actually the biggest change should be here in the middle. What happens in between the classes and how do they apply what they do? And I think you've proven the point there, Kristen, to, uh, to show how that's done in practice. So... Uh, Thank you for elevating our abilities to look and act beyond the now. One last favor before we roll the closing credits. One year from today, we'd like to pick up this conversation and ask you about your horizon of change a year from today and how you look back at the horizon of change you stated in the beginning. Would you be willing to accept that challenge? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Anything. It doesn't you. mean we're not going to talk in between, <laughs> but we wanted to thank um, everybody that was on 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 this um, um, session today. So uh, thank you, Christine, Diane, Janet, Juan, Ken, Michael, Myung, uh, Shin Young, and Tsu Hong Yen, as well as Jackie and Claire for hosting this for PCMA for the faculty. I think it's a terrific initiative. Uh, thank you for inviting us, and we enjoyed recording this podcast with you. Uh, if you're not familiar with PCMA, Google them because students get access for free. Right? Let's roll the closing. Here we go. You've been hanging out backstage on Design to Change Designer Conversations. Thank you for tuning in, and don't forget to subscribe and share conversations online using hashtag Design to Change and hashtag Event Canvas. Want more thought-provoking content like this? Visit designtochange.online to purchase your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Don't forget, it's more than just a book. Experience a hard copy, audio format, video format, and even augmented reality. Experience it in your style and format. Tune into our next episodes and hear from more designers and change makers. Until then, we look forward to our next conversation. <laughs>